Hey guys, and welcome to episode 247 of The Startup Diary. Today we have another interview with a very interesting guy, actually. His name is Thierry Clark. Uh, Thierry is CEO and founder of a company called Investor Connected. Now, that is a unique fintech platform designed to bridge the gap between entrepreneurs seeking capital and potential investors. So today we decided to get him on the show, on the mics, have a chat with him about his backstory uh, and what his company is all about and how he is trying to help entrepreneurs like the lovely listeners of this show to validate ideas, raise some money for their businesses, etc. I'm probably not doing it much justice, probably because it's a little out of my depth. <laughs> As you'll hear, I was actually on the show with Adam, uh, but Adam just kind of ran with it because it's way more in his field than it is mine. But strap in and enjoy the next 35, 40 minutes with Thierry Clark. Guys, as you heard in the intro, we have a special guest on today's episode. Thierry, for everyone in the audience who doesn't know who you are and what you're about, let's spend a couple of minutes, dig in, introduce yourself to the Startup Diary listeners. Cool. So my name is Thierry Clark and I'm the founder and CEO of Investor Connected. Uh, and I essentially run a startup that connects entrepreneurs with funders. It's pretty, pretty simple, but not really. Um, and uh, in terms of my background, well, I've spent 15 years working in the investment management industry, um, running around um, Europe, raising funds, speaking to investors, professional investors, um, and entrepreneurs as well who've made a lot of money. And I just use some of those expertise to uh, uh, try and start Investor Connected and uh, bring some of my knowledge from the, the big boy world into the startup world um, and try and make the whole process a little bit easier and less opaque because uh, I think it's quite difficult fundraising at the moment and it doesn't necessarily need to be. So, so just on that note, and you're talking to someone that I did a an angel round, a small VC round, and currently going through another round of investment. I actually think after looking into what Investor Connected does, is you've sort of hit the nail on the head in terms of unless you're in the know, you have no idea where to start. Yeah. From from your previous experience, what are the key things that you're trying to solve with Investor Connected? So Having spent a lot of time with investors, um, I know that they're strange creatures that speak a completely different language. Um, <laughs> they, they talk in, in, in numbers, they talk in kind of scalability and all of this kind of stuff. Um, you know, market opportunity and exit strategy. And these are things and concepts which entrepreneurs, they don't really think about. And the reason they don't really think about them is because entrepreneurs are passionate about their business. You know, we as entrepreneurs jump into what we do because we believe with all of our heart that it's the it's the right thing to do. We've found something, uh, a need or, um, that needs to be solved, and we think we found a solution. Um, and the problem is that it's 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 about lining up those two conversations, and that's where a lot of a lot of things go wrong. So. An entrepreneur often when they put together their pitch deck, they're, they're talking about what they want us to tell investors. And that's not necessarily what investors want to hear. Um, and the way that I like to think about it is when I, I uh, one of my old bosses, um, when I was working in the investment management industry and we were talking about selling investment products. Now, this is these are huge um, products. We're talking about hundreds of millions of 
pounds or dollars of of investment. But he he distilled it down into a very simple concept. And he said, it's all about telling stories. And he was so right. And it doesn't matter what you're doing when you're pitching for investment. It's all about telling a story. It's about taking investors on a journey from where you are today to somewhere in the future, which is believable, where everybody's going to make some money. Um, And those people that are successful at raising funds are people that can tell a story that makes sense that where the dots join up to get to that future that future that they're that they're kind of proposing and that's that's effectively what we we build our we've built our kind of uh, platform around is helping entrepreneurs tell that story and helping investors digest that story in a in an easier way hopefully that I- makes sense no, complete sense. I think one of the things that sort of resonates with me there is when I first started to raise money, like you say, I was passionate. I knew what I wanted to see in the world. And at that point in time, every founder today, if they're just starting the business, none of them are thinking of an exit. It's like We're just worrying about how to get this bloody thing started in the first place. But like you say, when you go into those initial pitch meetings, it's you have to have the whole thing worked out. So On that note, what I want to try and do is scale it back to the people that listen to this podcast and actually just take it before we're even thinking about investment. How do you think about when you're, when you're a founder, when you're an entrepreneur and you want to see a change in the world, how would you recommend that someone actually says, is this a viable business model? How do I work out? Is this something that one, I can make money at or two, I could potentially raise money um, with investors, angel seed VC. Let's, let's go back to that point. Like what's your advice to founders at this point in time when they're actually trying to work out, can this thing be a real business? So the first thing that I would say is probably the most unpopular thing, um, and that's put pen to paper and write a business plan. Boo. <laughs> I <agree. laughs> but I 100% agree with that. <laughs> I never did it for the first 18 months, and I, I sort of, uh, yeah, I now see the benefits of it. Now we're going through this round of investment. And you know what? You're not you're not alone. Um, you're you're not alone. Most people, entrepreneurs are doers, right? We we get up and we do stuff. That's what makes us. That's what makes the difference between people that work for other people and people that run their own business. Is that it's the initiative side of things, right? Um, and so we always want to do stuff. The challenge is that doing things without planning is. Um, sometimes can put you on on the on the wrong path so let me let me draw an analogy right if i dropped you in the middle of a forest with a map and a compass um and you just and i said right here's your destination um you know the, it's a pub it's a pub a couple of miles away um you can't see it but it's through the trees what would you do? Would you start walking and hope to get there? Or would you try and find it on the map and try and work your way out how to get there and plan your journey? And yeah, similarly, I'd be, I'd, be pl- I'd be planning the journey and planning the pint. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, if you were going to be driving to London, you'd plug in in the GPS, the GPS would tell you where to go and you'd follow, you'd follow the path. Now um, it's the same thing with business planning. It's, it, it doesn't, tell you everything to do every step of the way but what it does do is it it guides you along the way um, and it can help you um, look at or identify pitfalls and that's both in kind of your plan and also in terms of your financials because again a lot of business people get scared by the by the numbers but the numbers matter 
and it can the numbers are the difference also between success and failure if you don't plan your cash flow if you don't know how much you're going to be spending you don't know how much to raise you, you you know you can get into you can get into to, to cash flow issues and so planning is really really important um, and and that's effectively what you're doing when you're going to raise funding you're saying to people here's my plan do you believe in it um, you know can you see this working um, and so I, I really Sorry, sorry. To, sorry to interrupt. For the people that are listening, and this is one thing that I struggled with, just taking it back, is I had an idea of what I wanted to build, but I was making so many assumptions in terms of here's what I want to do and here's what I plan to spend on marketing and here's what it will result in. If someone's got a business idea today and they have no idea how much it will cost them to acquire that first customer, like what's your advice in that world where people literally have a plan but have no traction or uh, sound data to base their assumptions off because I think that's a problem that a lot of startup founders find themselves in. Cause it just feels like absolute bloody guesswork at that point. It's always guesswork. Uh, I mean, forecasting is always is always guesswork. But I mean, you've got the internet. We're in the information age, right? So there is a ton of information out there that you can find. It is it is a painful process. It's a painstaking process of going and finding the information and distilling it down. So, example, we had. A pitching event in London last last Tuesday, um, and before the event, I sat down with uh, a lady who's running a f- fashion startup, who's one of our pitches, and she was talking to me about the the kind of market opportunity, and I said to her, "Look, what you're quoting there is way too large. It's you know, investors are just going to tear that apart. You need to you need to come down into something that's a little bit more realistic for what the segment that you're looking at." And she said, "Well, I can't. I, I haven't been able to find the data." And I said, "Look, go." And, 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 you know, look more, make some, um, you can make some sensible assumptions. So, for example, if you've got something which says it was a percentage of the market or this particular sector or segment is a percentage of the total market, you can extrapolate that and use that as an, um, uh, as an example. It's, it is, it is part art, part science. It's about making sensible assumptions. And I think, and that's the point. It's, it's making sure that the, the numbers that you're talking about and the things that you're predicting have some basis in fact and are derived from something sensible and that you don't just pull them out of thin air, um, which sadly a lot of people do. Um, but there is a lot of information out there. There's, there's lots of, you know, you Google, you Google statistics and you can find things from accountancy firms like, you know, PwC, Deloitte. They always have industry surveys, industry organizations like British Chamber of Commerce. They always have um, statistics that they publish. The government publishes statistics all the time. Different industry bodies, they always publish statistics. So, there are there are there are stats out there that are able to be to be found to give you an idea and a sense of um, what you might be what you might be looking for uh, or what you might be looking at. And then, you know, also build stuff from the bottom up. How many how many customers do you think you'll be able to acquire? Realistically speaking, um, you know, how much do you think they're going to be able you're going to be able to sell to an average customer? Look at what your competitors are doing. Um, there's very few industries now where you don't have competitors. So look at look at what your competitors are doing and try and glean information from what, what they're doing. Um, that, that, those are my kind of uh, best pieces of advice there. And one of the things you just mentioned was you actually talked someone down from the market size. 
which I find super interesting. And I guess there's there's a thing that we could go into maybe for another day in terms of the history of the founder has a lot to play in their ability to raise is have they done this before and do they know this space? But one thing that I'd like to dig in on is if you're looking to raise money, is there this sweet spot of market size that you think it, there's this minimum, you have to be going after this TAM, this, sorry, this total addressable market to get on the radar of investors? Where do you think it sort of actually gets people's attention to be actually this is too small of an opportunity for uh, venture capital to be injected in? Yeah, so it's it all, it all depends on what kind of investor you're talking to. If you're talking to an angel, um, a syndicate, um, or, or a VC, and even within the VC world, there's there's there's, there's slight differences. Um, I mean, it's it's really really difficult. Obviously, for for venture capital firms, they're looking for the unicorns, you know, the biggest, the one billion dollar companies. So they're looking for massive markets. So you're talking about markets that are you know fifty billion pounds or more, which sounds like a ridiculous number. Um, th- but they're looking for really, really big markets. But that doesn't mean that you can um, uh, that others aren't looking, aren't happy for smaller markets. I, I would say probably kind of, you know, five billion upwards, depending upon the VC, they'd be interested in. Because also, it's not just about the size of the market; it's about the business model that's being em- employed um and the profitability of each comp- of each company that's 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 going to be looking at it you can have um a relatively small market but if you've got a if you've got a very niche product that's high value that's generating big margins that could mean you know big profits if there's a barrier to entry that's another thing that um um investors look for so it's it, it's a combination of market size um competitive edge and barriers to entry. I think those are those are the three levers that get pulled in terms of identifying the size and scale of the opportunity. I, I love that answer. And one thing that I like the way you, you sort of dove in on then is how VCs think about the market size. Can we just spend a minute on how you see the difference between VC, syndicate and angel investors and sort of the potentially the pros and cons from your previous experience of dealing with all three? Um, oh, this is a tough one. It might take more than a minute for the simple reason that the world has changed a lot over the last few years. Um, so, um, the advent of crowdfunding, um, the democratization of investments has changed, um, significantly the landscape for angel investors. Um, why is that? Um, well, a lot of angel investors have realized that they're taking huge amounts of risk investing in one particular uh, company. Um, and a lot have started joining things like, you know, Crowdcube, Cedars are the big, big crowdfunding platforms. You've got Shadow Founder, other, other networks. And also joining things like, you know, Angels Cube, Syndicate Room, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and all of these networks and platforms have professionalized the way in which um, capital is raised. So that has changed the dynamics in terms of the level at which you can go to speak to angel investors and how um, how you can raise funds. And I don't think it's necessarily in a good way. So, for example, all of the people that I've just mentioned, you won't get seen live on those platforms unless you've already raised 30% plus 
sometimes up to 40% of the fundraise that you're looking for, which means that you need to go and find friends, family, um, other other angel investors that really believe in your that are in your network that really believe in your product or your service to to help you get over that 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 kind of hump. Um, and what I'm hearing from a lot of investors is that, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs is that it's increasingly hard to find the the initial seed capital, the initial angel investor. Um, so the market's kind of changing there. VCs are s- still in in in. Uh, you know, uh, uh, professional professional services. You've got more and more VCs that are, that are that are cropping up. Um, they're increasingly starting to be specialised, so they have their areas of expertise, and so it's all about finding ones that have the right niche for your business. Um, but generally speaking, they're playing in quite a crowded space. They're all looking for rather large companies, and what you tend to find is that. You know, they all jump on the same types of businesses um, often, um, which is which is not which is not ideal. Um, but it's, uh, you know, once you get one, it's a lot easier to get another one. It's the first it's getting the first uh, the first investment. That's the hardest part of fundraising. And, and that's the thing I wanted to go into, because I've we've done Angel, we've done VC and we've toyed with somewhere like Crowdcube and Cedars and the need to go and get 40% off the platform made me just think, well, why don't, if I can get 40, why don't you go and close the whole thing, which leaves a founder like me in that situation, which is actually, how do I get started on this fundraising journey? And that's the thing I'd just like to just go into now in terms of if I've, if I decide actually I've got an amazing community here at Expert Trades that would back me, but I need 40% off the grid. In terms of in-person, online, how are you seeing founders successfully get in front of investors and what differentiates a founder in the ability to cut through the noise in 2018 moving into 2019 okay so let me first answer one one thing that 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 you mentioned about kind of crowdfunding and what why would you do crowdfunding if you can raise 40 percent? and the answer is if you've got a b2c product and you want to raise your profile Crowdfunding is a great way of raising your profile because um, you get access to a lot, a, a lot of people um, who then start to know about your product. You get the marketing spend, except the marketing that, 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 that's around it. And the most successful um, companies that have gone on to raise capital on these platforms have never done it really to raise the capital. They've done it to raise awareness. And if you've got a B2C product, it's a great place to to raise awareness. So that's that's the first thing that I. So I, I a great example of that would be someone like Brewdog, I guess, who exactly who have, who have smashed that out the ballpark because actually, and to be honest, with what they did and why they did it is the same reason we considered it. Not necessarily to get the cash from our community, but because it makes our community feel like they own the business and exactly. it creates this solidarity between all of your customer base. Yeah, and and so Brewdog, for example, from from what I hear and what I understand, they were raising around about twenty million in their last round, and they they'd already raised eighteen before they even before they even went onto 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 you know Crowdcube. So so they were they were already there. They were already there, and they literally just did it um, to raise more awareness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know it's. It's it's very much it's turned into much more of a marketing machine 
than it is an essential fundraising machine. They want to, you know, they've got their reputation to keep. They want to to show successful fundraisers and they've realized that momentum speaks a lot. So if you've managed to generate a certain amount of momentum, you're more likely to to continue to raise um, and meet your target. Uh, so, so that's 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 the way that whole kind of system works. And even with the angel networks, it's it's going down that route. If you don't have an angel, a lead investor that's willing to put, you know, thirty percent in, you're 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 stuck. Um, so, how do you how do you find that that first investor? And it's it's tricky. It's um, I'm, I'm still working on that. Um, it's 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 friends, it's family, it's networking. I think the best advice I can give is is network. You know, get out there and find people and find somebody that's as passionate about your business as you are that you can sell the dream to. Um, and it's also about personal relationships. It's it's finding somebody that believes in you as an entrepreneur. You don't get that on crowdfunding websites and on these because they don't meet you. So it's it's about your personal connection with someone. Now, that has its benefits and it also has its drawbacks because, you know, having personal relationships with in, in investors, especially when things don't go don't go so well, uh, can be tricky. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's literally about networking. It's about getting out there. It's about speaking to people, um, mixing in circles that perhaps you don't normally mix in. Um, finding events to go to, um, yeah, it's 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 about building someone, your network. Someone listening right now is thinking, "Great, I want to network." Have you got an idea of like where can they go and find? Because so- what we're basically saying is, I want to send our listeners to a venue, to a meetup with people that are interested in deploying cash into startups. Like, where do they exist? Like, what's right. the tangible thing that you can say? Go do this as the starting block. Right. So you've got you've got uh, organisations like the UK. Business Angels Association, which a lot of people may not have heard about, um, they. I've never might, heard about it. They, they, <laughs> oh. There you go. There you go. Uh, adding value as all along. So um, we're trying. So they have. They've got a website. They run a ton of events all over the UK. Um, they run some networking events. They're really good to get along to. Um, they do some exhibiting opportunities as well um, when they run conferences and stuff. Um, I went to I went to an event in uh, in Birmingham um, in April, which was pretty good. Uh, there was there were tons of angel investors there as well, um, and they they run these kind of hubs in different uh, in different cities. So those are good to go along to. Uh, Meetup is a great um, is is a great place to find um, events in your local area. Also, you can also start up your own event. Um, it's really easy now with things like Meetup, Eventbrite, etc., to create your own create your own events. Um, we do we create our own events as well. Uh, my advice there is that investors like free stuff and they like drink and food. So if you can include that in your event, that normally gets a, a lot more investors along. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it, it, it sometimes it's also about creating your own opportunity, not just um, if. If the opportunities and the events don't exist in your area, it might necessitate you doing something yourself, um, running your own event, inve- inviting investors along to come and hear about your product and, and give them some kind of benefit for doing so. Um, I'm not saying it's cheap. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, if it was, everybody would be doing it. Um, but yeah, those, those are the things that I, I would suggest. 
No, I, I like that. And let's just say you get the room filled full of potential angels. From a founder's perspective, is uh, we've got this very simple thing, smart money, dumb money. When you're taking money off an angel, at what point are you trying to find someone that can open doors compared to just cash? And it's a bit of a leading question because in theory, you want best of both worlds. But what's your advice to founders when they're raising in terms of who they're taking money from? Well, the first thing that I, I've i noticed is that founders are extremely um, possessive with their equity right at the start of, uh, of, of the journey. And I understand why. Um, however, opening doors at the beginning uh, of your startup journey is probably more valuable than cash. Um you know, getting 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 the traction going is the hardest hardest thing um, in any startup's life, right? It's the first sale, it's the it's the first you know um, project, it's the first partnership. All of those things are are huge milestones, and traction plays a big part in what investors look for. So having people that can open doors are are invaluable to you. Uh, and as you as you rightly said, you know, having a mixture of both opening doors and money um, is is great. Sadly, you know, investors are very rarely um, silly, uh, and they 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 normally advice normally costs you something. And I, I've had several conversations with regards to my business about um, uh, people wanting to come on board and give me advice for equity. Um, it's never really worked out um, on, on my side of things, but 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 it's it, for some people uh, it's definitely it's definitely worth worthwhile kind of looking at. Um, money's money's great, but doors opening doors can be can be even better. That's that's my one of my concerns when I speak to founders and they're doing that first angel round is they are promised the world from potential angels, but there's actually no mechanism to hold angels accountable. Yes, you might give them a a better deal on the round valuation because you actually know they can open the doors. Have you got any top tips in terms of how a founder can sort of uh, navigate those conversations to make sure that when you're bringing an angel on board, they actually, you can actually hold them accountable for what they've promised you up front to get a better deal? I know it's a really hard question, uh, <laughs> but I think it's just something that uh, that I've seen, I've experienced. Like, how do you actually get someone to, once the money goes in and they've got the equity, you have no leverage. So how, how would you advise a founder in that way? Well, I mean, you're right. It is a very, very difficult question. Uh, I think defining the structure of the relationship before you start it's the same with any negotiation really or contractual negotiation it's about it's 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 a barter right so some people that i know have been successful in 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 these kind of agreements uh, or arrangements have said right okay what does that mean so you're going to get a, a seat on the board we're going to meet twice uh, twice a month um etc 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 um, you know, you're going to provide me with this, 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 and, and put it in writing. Um, put it in writing so that it's 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 there for everybody to see. Um, and yeah, that's 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 the only way that I've seen it uh, seen it work. Ultimately, it's it's for you as an entrepreneur to get the best value out of your investors, out of your clients and customers, et cetera. It's, it's for you to be able to extract that value. So it's also a skill to be able to manage investors. 
Um, and and it's it's about building that relationship and also making it productive because I think you know the, the part of the challenge is that investors, if they wanted to run their own business, they would run their own business. They're investing, and so they're expecting you to do all the hard work. What I've also seen on the other side is that entrepreneurs rely too heavily on the investors, and then it becomes kind of babysitting for the for the for the investor and so it's about getting that balance right between um getting advice um that is in a productive way and you know reliance on on the investor to guide the whole kind of process and and you don't want to be in that kind of, that that situation i think one of the things that i learned when i did our f- first angel round and then even when we raised a little bit of vc is I very I was very poor at managing expectations and communications and as soon as you drop the ball there it has a massive knock on effect to the rest of the relationship so your advice in terms of putting it in black and white in paper up front of what each party each side of this deal needs to do I think it's like spot on also the thing that that I learn is these angels are in the same networks as in they know each other and from a from a founder's perspective, yes, you're taking cash, but you have you actually have some leverage. And I thought about it when you were talking in terms of if that angel isn't delivering on what they've promised, founders talk to each other. And as companies grow, the reputation of the angels that put money into your business, they're actually on the line at this point. If they want to get into the good deals, then what founders say about them matters. Because if I know a guy who's raising money and I've had a bad experience with an angel who has said they'll do X, Y, and Z up front but didn't follow through, and I tell my friends, my network of founders, then all of a sudden that angel is not getting into this deal. So I think there there is a balance, but I'm not entirely sure the best way to play it. But I like the idea of just putting it black and white. Um, Jerry, just one thing I want to move on to is we've we've got the angels we've we've understood now market size difference between different types of investors we've got the angels in a room because i'm holding an event i'm paying for some expensive drinks i've got canapes <laughs> walking around on silver plastic. i'm treating these guys well all of a sudden i'm asked to speak to some of the investors telling your story i'm a natural salesman i like marketing i like selling put me in a room and i will tell you what we're doing but most people I don't want to say most people, a lot of people struggle with telling the narrative. What's the best advice you can give to a founder to help them construct a narrative that resonates with potential investors? Um, yeah. So uh, great question. And I've spent a lot of time <laughs> um, pondering this particular question. So when we were putting together uh, Investor Connected, I spoke to um, and researched over three, two, between two and 300 um, VCs, angel networks, angels, et cetera, et cetera, to try and answer what is the perfect structure um, for a, uh, a pitch and an, an investor pitch. Uh, obviously, it depends how long you've got, but, but generally, um, there's a couple of things that you need to cover, right? So when telling your story, there's, there's, there's three kind of key things that you need to that you need to talk about. Number one, what is your goal? So we talked about a journey. So what is the what is the destination that you're that you're going to? Number two, the strategy that you're of how to get there, uh, and and number three is the resources, what you need in order to make the journey. Um, so let's go back to your goal. Um, the first thing that, that that you need to talk to investors about is what I call the equation. Right. And this is your effectively your elevator pitch. And it's kind of one plus one equals, you know, cash. 
Um, and the things you need to talk about is what, <laughs> what is the problem that you're, that you're, that you're solving? Um, and, and, and what does your business do and how does it solve the problem? So those are the three key things that you need to cover um, in your kind of opening, in your opening gambit to, to people. And, and often that's where a lot of people go wrong. They don't, they need to make investors feel the pain. They need to see the problem and understand the problem. If they don't understand the problem, you've lost them um, for the rest of the presentation. So you have to make that equation clear. Um, the second thing we've already talked about, market opportunity. So you need to be very clear on who your target market is, what uh, what is your serviceable addressable market. Everybody talks about total available market, but what 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 size of the market can you access at this point in time, realistically speaking? Um, you need to talk about whether you've validated um, your your business proposition, um, and then and then finally in the market opportunity space, what traction or success have you currently managed to achieve? Um, because that is one of the acid tests that a lot of investors will look for. Um, you know, there are some investors that will go at concept stage um, and that's blind faith. If the, if the, if the market, if the kind of equation part of it sounds really good, but for most investors, they'll want to see some degree of traction or some degree of success or some degree of validation um, to, to your business idea. Um, and then thirdly, uh, in in this kind of goal um, space is, is what's the competitive landscape like? What, what are your competition doing? Um, who are your competitors? And, and what's different about what you do? So what's your USP? Um, do you have anything that is defensible? So do you have any intellectual property? Do you have any trademarks, patents, etc., copyrights that are going to make it more difficult for um, another company to come and do exactly the same thing as you. Quick so, question, so, Jerry, quick question on that it. is um, how how relevant or important is the team that's executing on this idea? As in, like, I let's just take me. I've got, I've got eight years experience in the industry before I got in. I've shaken more hands of trades professionals than anyone else, I think, in this country when I was building this business for two years straight. How much does the team play into this pitch and where do you put it? Is it at the front, at the end? When the investor is looking at this problem, are they thinking, cool, what problem are you trying to solve? How are you going to do it? And then who's going to execute on it? Or do you bring the, the, this is something that I did recently, or do you bring the team up front and say, there's this massive problem in the market. Here's my 30 second elevator pitch. Here's the team that's going to execute on it. And then let me tell you how we're going to do it. How do you, how do you position that in this, in this pitch? it's it's it depends on on who you are i would say generally speaking the team is extremely important very very important um but in my view uh the most successful pitches that i've seen you need to get you need to get investors excited about the concept before the execution so it's it's let me, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy. It's like saying I want to go and have a steak dinner and someone's saying, yeah, that's an amazing idea. Let's go and have a steak dinner. Um, but, you know, then you have to plan which restaurant you're going to go to and, you know, uh, how much you're going to spend, you know, how much you want to spend. And, and, and then you have to go and order order the steak and, and uh, you know, what's the chef like is really important. But it's, it's not the first thing. It's not the, the initial thing that you think of. And, and so, yes, team is exceptionally important, but it's exceptionally important in terms of execution. 
nobody's going to invest in a rubbish idea um, if they don't think it's okay. got any legs. So, so I think I think it, it, it definitely comes it definitely comes in in the strategy side of things in terms of how you're going to execute how you're going to execute it. Um, but I, I I wouldn't say it necessarily comes has to come right at right at the beginning because. I've seen loads and loads of successful pitches and most of those successful pitches get people excited about the problem, about the solution, the market, um, and, 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 you know, that there is a gap in the market. So it's identifying the business opportunity. And that's, that's what investors are looking for. They're looking for opportunities. So it's, it's about getting, uh, getting people to understand the nature of the opportunity before you understand execution. Having a great idea or finding a great opportunity without the ability to execute doesn't work either. So you need both. You need you need a great concept and a great uh, a great idea and the ability to execute. So no no one cares about the chef if they're not interested in having steak in the first place. Exactly. Let me ask in terms of from a so we've got this outline the goal, then the strategy, then yep. we talk about resources. One thing that I've always struggled with, because my VCs, when they listen to this, which I know they do occasionally, I don't really have an exit strategy for my business. I'm doing this because I love it. When a founder's in that position, how do you advise them position a potential exit on a screen if it's something they're not even considering at this point in time? I don't necessarily. Because I know the angels need to see where do I get liquidity, but how do you put that on a slide that you can still stand behind, um, but it's probably not top of mind for you right now? Um I've, I would say that unless you have a clear exit strategy and you have a clear goal of that nature, don't you don't need to put it in your pitch for the simple reason that, you know, there are two ways that, that um, investors can make money out of your business. Way number one is the traditional way. You make a lot of profits and you pay out dividends. So that's got to be that's got to be your kind of baseline. Right. So how does the business make money? Um and how does it execute its strategy is 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 the, of primary importance because you're only going to be attractive to somebody else uh, as an acquisition target, for example, in terms of exit strategy, if you um, you know you have a business model that works or a piece of technology or or something proprietary that 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 is um, um, desirable by the by an external party. Um, so, so that's the first thing. Make sure that your business is the business model and your 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 strategy is is kind of is secure. Um, in terms of exits, well, you know, it's either sell private sale, it's either listing. Um, you know, uh, those 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 tend to be your exit strategies, and everybody everybody understands that as a as a as a, as a concept. All investors understand that. Um, yes, if you are saying, well, we're aligning ourselves to be bought in the future. That is a business strategy. That is a direction. That is a goal. Um, but if you're not, if you're saying, I'm going to build a business because I love to do it and I think we can make a lot of money along the way doing this, that's that's perfectly valid. So I don't I don't think exit strategy is something that you need um, to, to, to think about when you're doing an initial pitch. I would say just get people excited about your business get people excited about your ability to execute that business and your passion and that you've thought it through um, and be very clear about what you need in order to make that happen. Right. Um, and those are the things that you, those are the key things that you need to, to kind of address. I don't exit strategies are, are great if you have one, but they're not necessary. 
from from my experience, it feels like with angels, they've been a lot more forgiving because I've been recently going through these pitch meetings with 10, 15, 20 angels in a room. And when I'm asked about the exit strategy, it's so right now we're just really focused on building an amazing business and there'll be loads of opportunities in the future, but that's not on the radar right now. But I don't think that flies with VC. And I guess it depends on why you're raising money uh, and who you're raising it from that you just need to sort of keep top of mind. Um, Terry, I'm, I'm very conscious of time because I know you've, you've given us an hour today out your calendar and I hugely appreciate it. Can you just, in this last sort of segment, can you just give us an idea of what Investor Connected is for anyone listening? Sure. The problem it's solved, who it's for, and how they can learn more about what you're doing. Yeah, no problem. So um, we have, over the past five, six years, it feels like a long time, um, done a huge amount of research and development to try and understand the quagmire that is the funding industry. Um, and what we're trying to do is is change the way um, in which funding is done um, to make it a hell of a lot easier. Um, and the way that we're trying to do that is by standardizing the information uh, that people provide, that entrepreneurs provide, um, helping them and guiding them through that process of creating investment ready um, pitch information, um, financial information. Uh, and then we've recently launched uh, the other side of the marketplace, which is a whole host of tools for investors to help filter and manage deal flow and perform due diligence so our aim is really to make it easy to to apply for funding and to to cultivate your pitch over time because uh, i'm sure you guys know that you'll do a pitch deck and you'll create a pitch and you'll do it once and you'll realize damn i got that completely wrong i need to change it there's things that i didn't cover that i need to cover there's things that i've said the that blank I- the blank expressions in the room are a really good indicator <laughs> to where you made a mistake the, yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's my biggest but yeah when i'm when I'm doing my presentation i'm on slide six and everyone's just blank or open their phone, I've lost them. And that's when I need to start redoing the pitch deck. Exactly. It's an iterative process. And, and people, people, um, those that have been through it know that it's never, you, you never hit with your first pitch deck. I mean, I've seen like Uber's first pitch deck, uh, Airbnb's first pitch deck. It's, when you look at it, it's it's awful in many respects. Um, the, the ideas are, are very clear, um, and that's what what you know saw them through. The ideas were very simple and well presented. Uh, well, not well presented, but very clear and easy to understand. Um, but the pitches themselves weren't particularly great. Um, but it's it, it it evolves over time, and and that's that's what we've that's that's the experience that we kind of. Uh, have put together in Investor Connected. So all of the things that I'm ta- I've talked to you about today in terms of what to put into your pitch deck, we have created a template that allows people to put together their pitch deck, uh, not just pitch deck, but pitch information because pitch decks or presentations are meant to be presented. Um, and the, the challenge that you have is a lot of people are emailing pitch uh, presentations off to people to be read. Um, but they're not meant to be. They're not meant to be read. They're meant to be presented, and so there's information missing, and there's a lot to uh, be left to interpretation. And so we've we've created an online platform that helps you put together an investor-ready business plan. We call it our investor pack. Um, uh, an online pitch page with you know you can put your pitch deck up, you can put a video up, you can 
put everything that I've talked about in terms of, you know, the problem that you're solving, what your business does, the market opportunity, what you're looking for from funders. So all the stuff that we've been discussing, it, we have that on the platform. Um, the second thing that we do is help people tell their financial story. Um, so we help people put together um financial projections we have my business partner is an accountant and i kind of strapped him in a chair um and interrogated him and asked him what he would do to um, if he was putting together financial projections um for a company and we kind of got it out of him it was a painful process um and we've taken that and we've digitized that so we've created some ai that helps um create financial projections based on kind of sensible business questions that we would ask um, and then off the back of that it runs a number of analytics to help you understand your business better and uh, valuations and that kind of stuff so so that's what we do that's what we do for for entrepreneurs for investors um, we've got a whole kind of deal flow management tool um, we help them define what they're looking for from a business um, and help them manage that deal flow in, in an intelligent way uh, and also um, put more structure around their due diligence process. Um, and that means that once you've created your pitch on, on, on the platform, you should be able to go apply to a load of different investors without having to rewrite um, everything every time, you know, copy and paste into their own forms. Um, and you should be able to also get some feedback in terms of, you know, where you are in the process and what have you. So we're trying to make the whole process less time consuming more productive and more transparent so that's that's our goal firstly love the idea of that whole standardization of the piece because from someone that's done this a couple of times it is so so time consuming raising any money anything if you're raising 50 grand or half a million quid that there's so much energy effort and time goes in and i love the idea of having this sort of repository of information that you can send across someone in a standardized way just out of curiosity i actually didn't dig into this what is your business model behind this how are you making money from this <laughs> at the moment we're not making a huge amount of money i'm, I'm funding this myself um which is a painful process uh but we <laughs> the, the the pitching all of the pitching uh, stuff is 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 free we charge people um 300 pounds for putting together their financials and valuation which i think is pretty cheap because if you went to an accountant they'd charge you about five times that amount um we're also uh running we're going to be running the deal flow management side of things as a as a SaaS solution um you know think of us a bit like kind of linkedin so we're going to be offering premium services. So, you know, more money, you have to pay subscription for analytics and other bits and pieces. So that's that's our business model. We like to we don't want to charge a massive amount for any one thing. We're charging little bits for the usage that you have of the site. Makes sense. Really like it. Uh, and I guess there's some uh, there's some interesting models that you can do where if I'm raising off the network, I then bring my angels that are interested in my deal onto the network because that one helps me and then helps you get distribution. I guess there's some really nice uh, sort of uh, you got a two-sided marketplace. And as a complete side note, I would love to actually interview you on a separate note in terms of how you're building this business in six, 12 months time. Because I think that whole marketplace dynamic that you're building is so, so tough to build. But once you get there and this critical mass comes on place, you win. Um, and I'm actually going to end with a quick ask. We're actually in the process of moving our community into an online Facebook group. And for the people that come on the show that we think, 
are adding great value to our existing audience if we want to do like a live q a maybe for a half an hour or an hour in the group at some point in the future is that something you'd be interested in doing and helping the start with our listeners of course more than happy to do so love it and listen if someone's listening to the show right now and they have a follow-up question for you what's the best way for them to get in contact with you and what's the url to send them to to investor connected if it's something they're interested in learning more about so yeah the url is investorconnected.com and you can send your emails and questions to info at investorconnected.com Thierry, you've been an absolute diamond. I've really enjoyed having you on the show and I selfishly now have your email in my inbox. So if I have a question, <laughs> I will probably be pinging it across to you, sir. Any final parting comments that you want to drop on the show before we close it off? No, look, I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. Um, you know, the, the startup journey is is a difficult one and it can be very lonely. So, you know, finding resources and people and communities that can help you along the way is 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 really is really important. And you know, I I made the transition from uh, working in in the city in London, um, gave up a rather lucrative career to, to to start up my journey as an entrepreneur. And it can be it can be lonely at times. So, you know, I think what you guys are doing is great and i think that um you know for the community out there and people that are listening you know find friends find other people that are in the same boat as you share your experiences because that's how you that's how you learn and that's how you progress a lot quicker and it stops you making silly mistakes it's a great piece of advice thierry thank you so much for your time today stay well yep you too take care guys 